بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولاه Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream uh, We today are back after summer vacation and we should be back to our normal routine which is Monday through Thursday 1 to 3 p.m. We had a number of things came up Okay, number of things came up, uh, including Eid and time off and all that stuff. And you know how it is in the summertime; things are always a bit slow. Uh, but here we are in the summertime, and we are in a piping hot day. To be honest with you, um, what, what, what do you think it is out there? Like eighty-eight degrees, eighty-seven, all right, eighty-six, maybe whatever it is. But it is a hot day. In the great state of New Jersey, um, and we are on Surat Al Munafiqun. Okay, uh, what's this? Eighty-seven degrees out today. Okay, um, here we go. Let's get to Surat Al Munafiqun and start reading, and then we're going to take a longer QA than usual. Okay to make up for uh, our lost time. Not really lost time, can't say that. But here we go. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Qul ya ayyuhalladhina hadu in za'amtum annakum awliya'u lillahi min dunin nasi fatamannahu al-mawt. We talked about this last week, but we'll complete it um, and we'll repeat it because we do our believers in repetition. Just opening up our YouTube channel here. It means that the Bani Israel, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, challenges them with their, um, their, their beliefs. So if you believe you are the chosen people, you are the beloveds of God. Okay, that's very good for you. So if that was the case, though, okay, then you should be excited about death. Because death is not anything other than a transition. Yes, the moment of death is a tough transition. We agree with that. But death itself is a transition from one space, okay, uh, one existence to a better existence. If you're a believer, okay, it should be a better existence. Why are you running away from death? If you are truly uh, a believer and you truly actually believe I'm actually going to, to paradise and of course there is a middle space between our abode here and going to paradise. There's a middle space which is also a beautiful space though too. It's a, a place in which the soul only exists and the soul is a very subtle matter it's a very subtle thing, and uh, it exists in somehow where in a location Allah knows best. We just call it the barzakh, the place between two places. Because as physical beings right now with this thick matter that we have, that we're encased in, we can, we can understand that. We simply cannot understand how and where just the soul by itself exists. But it does exist. It is a, a physical, it is a, a jism. Okay, it's something physical, but it's extremely subtle. And it's not just when I say physical, it means it is something that takes up space, even though a very small amount of space. And 
it is it's not like an imagination your soul is not an imagination that is just if i tell you right now that there's um uh, a lion that's pink with green polka dots that's flying around where does that exist nowhere doesn't exist at all just in my imagination which is nothing does imagination doesn't exist it's just in your head all right it's not a physical thing that exists when we say physical things that exists or or a material thing or something that takes up space uh keep in mind we're not referring to just what we can see and that's why materialists that's not exactly the right name for them and allah doesn't call them materialists in the quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about those who believe in the unseen. Okay. So the soul is does take up some space. An angel is have a material. It's made up of something. Right? Uh, all the things that we talk about, such as barakah and nur and la'na, and all these things, they do exist in a some format, some form of physicality. But it's so subtle, our eyes can't perceive it. Sounds, travels, and is in a form. Okay. Uh, the Wi-Fi that's flying through the air right now, the electricity that's flying through the air, everything that's, or, what, or the, um, the waves, the radio waves, all these things flying through the air, we can't see them. doesn't mean they don't exist in a physical form. They have some physicality to them. So materialist is technically not the right word. It's reductionist. That's what the better word is. They've reduced what we believe in to just what our eyes can see and our microscopes can see. So these people didn't believe in things. Then a microscope is invented, and now they accept it. Okay. So now in the realm of science, it's in a sense acceptable to go that route because in the realm of science, I can only sell you something if I can prove it physically in some way, shape, and form. Right. So that's fine. But science cannot be the sole sieve of understanding existence. It cannot be the, the sieve, meaning, what's another word for a sieve? Like a, a filter. It's not the only, it cannot be the only filter, right? Transmission is another filter. A true transmission. And that's what all religions are. They're true transmissions about things that human beings, at least up till now, have not been able to see. And in, never will human beings be able to see the future. And the future and, and the transmission is coming and telling us about the future. Okay. So uh, I shouldn't say never, humans will never be able to see the future. You just never know what's going to happen. But there is always going to be an element of the future we'll never see it's the afterlife. You're not going to see the afterlife with any tools here. So uh, while, while we're here on earth. So, point being is that the kafir is somebody we should not just think about it as materialistic because. We do believe that if Allah creates something, he gives it a jism. And a jism is uh, one, uh, two or more dharras. A dharra is a theoretical thing. We've never seen it, but it's a theoretical thing in Islamic uh, cosmology that is the main uh, ingredient of, of creation. The smallest possible... Um, what would we call it? Atom? It's not an atom, obviously. It's the smallest possible unit. The Johar, right? The Johar. What did I say? Johar. Yeah, it's like a particle. The Johar. That is one. A jism is one or more Johar, right? 
Two or more. Two or more. Yeah. Johar is the smallest unit of the creation. It's theoretical. No one's ever seen one. Okay. And what is it theoretical? It's dimensionless. This is the unique thing about it. Because if you give it dimensions, then you can split it. If you say it has a front and back, right? You can split it. I did my whole paper on Ashari atomism way back, like 25 years ago. And said Hossein Nasrigi was very proud of the topic. He gave me an A+. But it was basically the Hindu philosophers. By the way, they, the Hindu philosophers, they have a lot of... India itself, we always make fun of their religion. It has a lot of nutty things in it. That's true. But their philosophers, you don't cannot mess around. That's why the Maturijis were so important. Okay? Because they said they don't believe in such a thing. They believe you can divide infinitely. Okay? Well, we said, our ulama, the Maturidis said, no. Okay? There's nothing infinite but Allah. Okay? We can't can continually, infinitely split atoms. Okay? Infinitely. So there has to be a, a, a smallest unit. So they said, describe it. The Maturidis thought about it. Of course, I'm sure they're writing this stuff across decades, right? But they realized if you describe it and it is describable by having a right side and a left side, a top and a bottom, a front and a back, then you could split it, right? So it's not the smallest particle. So they ended up uh, saying that it is a dimensionless particle. Okay? So the theoretical... Um, the nature of the Jawhar, it is a dimensionless particle. Okay? Can something even like that exist? Allah, I don't know. Obviously, something like that, we do believe that they're correct in saying there has to be a, a limit, right? Nothing is infinite, right? Like regressively, but Allah. You can always say that we can constantly add Jawahar to one another. So you have a Jawhar, and then you have two or more Jawahar become a just so the soul of the human being is not an imagination it's a just everything that exists okay that when Allah Ta'ala wills for it to exist it becomes a jism of some sort we may see some and we don't see others microwaves that are cooking our food are ajsam okay the waves that we see the radio waves that we're attracting Radio waves, aren't they flying around everywhere, right? It's just when you put your antenna out, that's when you can hear what the transmission is saying, right? If you could see everything, you literally would not be able to see your hand right here. If everything had a form, everything that had a form was visible to your eyes, you wouldn't be able to see your hands. Okay, even the Prophet wasallam said, if, you, if, if the jinn and the shayateen were visible to you, you would not get, see the sun. Right? You won't be able to see the sun. You just see a black mass above you. Okay. So, uh, this is the nature and the difference between us and the atheists. It is not that they believe only in the material. It is that they have reduced what they believe to what their tools can see. We do not. We believe in what has been transmitted to us that is not visible to us. And that's the difference. Even scientists, though, they're heavily reliant upon knuckle. Like, for example, uh, they're reliant, uh, reliant upon other scientists doing these experiments. 
True. Right? You're not all, you're, you know, all scientists aren't doing every single experiment to see what's. That's a great point. So if, how do they determine then uh, which scientists to experiment to build upon? There's inside of. They're science. doing, yeah, they're doing, they're accepting. So every scientist, not every scientist, every biologist, every scientist studying the books has not seen the kidney, right? <laughs> done every experiment you haven't done every experiment you haven't seen every single thing or let's say an organ in the body or haven't seen everything but you do take it as fate uh, as fact because you trust them right and they build upon it here's the important part they build upon it they'll build whole careers on it right and they'll invent medicines and things like that but you haven't seen everything but you do trust that others have seen it okay so well what's the difference between that and now messengership and prophethood the prophet has seen it. Okay. Prophet, peace be upon him, has seen it. Now, here's, here's the difference that they're going to say. They're going to say, well, when our scientist does something, it's peer-reviewed. There are five other scientists, right? But you are relying on one prophet. First, we say, actually, we're not. As Muslims, uh, our messenger is the last of many, many, many prophets who have said the same thing. But let's say, hypothetically, just for the sake of argument, you're in the time of Prophet Abraham, where there haven't been many, many prophets before. Okay? So this is where the miracles of prophets become necessary. For us to accept them as is. Ahad narration. Okay? To accept it without them needing to be supported by other humans. Okay? And they cannot be supported by other humans. Right? If they are supported, verified by other humans, then they must be sim at the same level as those humans. But because a prophet is at a greater level than a regular fallible human being, he can only be supported, verified by the creator. Prophet cannot be verified by others, otherwise he'd be their equal, right? And they'd be his equal. That's why prophets are not verified by humans. Prophets are verified as prophets, as telling the truth, by the creator. Okay. Jesus was not verified by another person. Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam, as a messenger, is verified by his miracles, by the creator. And that's the difference between the verification of a prophet and the verification of like a, any other person who sees something who transmits it. Okay. If I'm going to make a transmission to people, I need to go in and get other people to see what I'm seeing. All right, you all see this. Okay, you're, you're the witnesses. Now we go to our group of friends and I tell them and I got five guys supporting me. Okay, so that's the idea here. All right. So the problem with these, we're talking about these is that they've reduced everything to only what their eyes or their tools can see and not with Al-Khabar. But if somebody truly believed that after this life, there will be a pinch of difficulty and apprehension at dying and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself his brow sweat and he said inna lil mawti lasakarat verily death has scary moments okay sakarat what's the best way to translate sakarat could you look that up for me uh what is the best way to transfer now it's like this if someone was to tell you that you're let me let's take it a couple different ways. You're going to go out into space, right? You're going out into space, and you're going to go and change, be in a complete change of gravity, and a complete change of air pressure, 
and everything else. Okay. Learning Adab says pangs of death. I think that's a good translation probably. Okay. Wouldn't you be apprehensive at least? Like you're going to go and exist now in an atmosphere that you've never existed in on earth. At the very least, the idea of the unknown, okay, is a source of apprehension, a source of nervousness. If I was going to reach into your body and say, I'm going to pull out a tooth or I'm going to pull out your uvula, which is this little thing that dangles in your throat, and I promise you, you won't hear anything, okay? I promise you, you won't feel anything, sorry. Okay. And the person reach the doctor reaches his hand into your mouth. Aren't you going to be nervous? Imagine now someone's telling you an angel's going to come reach into your soul and take your soul out. So every the moment of death has an apprehension that has pangs. It's not something we enjoy. It's not something a human being is ever going to enjoy. This is why Sayyidina Isa and Sayyidina Yahya Sayyidina Isa said about himself, Sayyidina Yahya, Allah said about him, Wassalamu alayya yawma wulit wa yawma amut wa yawma ubatu hayya. Peace be upon him. The day I was born, the day I die, and the day I'm resurrected. The three transitions. Sayyidina Yahya, Allah was, he had haya and modesty. He wouldn't say it about himself. Allah said it about him. Sayyidina Isa was jalal in this relationship. He was manifest. He said it about himself. To, to tell his people I'm a prophet so, uh, so the, the, these are the three moments of transition soul to body soul out of body soul back into body three different transitions and the recreation of the see Allah can create the human being however he wants right he creates Adam directly how we know that there was water from heaven and mud from earth we don't know anything else but there was no inter, uh, antecedent, no other parentage, no other mammals. See, another problem with the evolutionists is that they have this imagination that human beings can only be made a certain way. Like human beings are made however Allah wants to make them. Adam was created one way. Eve was created another way. Jesus was created another way. All of us are created another way. There's four different ways of creation right there. Three restricted to one single individual. Actually, we should add a, a, a fifth way which was the way Sayyidina Yahya was conceived. Sayyidina Yahya is close to a miraculous conception. Miraculous simply meaning not normal. See, even in Islam, we don't have a concept of miracles. We, have, we don't have the word miracle in Islam. We have the word not normal. Not the normal way that Allah creates two different things. Okay? So the way Allah creates the human beings that we know, that is the ada, the normal way, is a healthy male, a healthy female who can um, have children. They are created first, come together, okay? And then a child is born out of that, right? The norm, that's it. So Isa bin Maryam was, was created in a different... Come sit. Yeah, take a seat. You're seeing from, from Anaheim, mashallah. How's your stay been here so far? Pretty nice. Good? Alhamdulillah. I've become accommodated to being Very good. Alhamdulillah. You brought some California weather with you too. <laughs> so, uh, Sayyidina, Sayyidina Hawa was created. We know the material, but we don't know the manner. Nobody knows what happened. Okay? And Allah says in the Quran, you weren't there to see it, so don't talk. Surah Al-Kahf. Okay? 
خلق السماوات والارض ولا خلق انفسهم which means انفسهم meaning the beginning Adam and Eve because now we can see how babies are made in the womb we don't see insolment but we do we have that knowledge but خلق انفسهم meaning your origination you did not see what happened when there was water from heaven mud from the earth and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then, then the next scene almost uh, to say is the description of Adam as a clay statue he was a statue there's nothing wrong with saying that okay It's physical form with no soul right so you could knock on him like this okay sitting with no soul in it we didn't see what happened in between Allah knows best okay what we well we are certain what didn't happen in between was that two mammals came together and produced him and that he was given birth no we know that that didn't happen how what likewise we know what she was made of which is what the rib of adam next scene she's laying down next to adam right so subhanallah the first physical uh, setting between uh, two people is that they were created as a man and a wife a husband and a wife and they were laying down together adam was asleep she was awake just to tell you that is the origination of the human being human beings will procreate from that setting the bed that has a husband and a wife in it okay and then all of human beings were created thereafter in the ada the norm the norm meaning the the what allah has habituated us to which is that husband and wife are created their cohabitation is a creation and then a baby comes out of the womb okay after pregnancy that's the ada then there are two khawariq al-adat left in human history which is yahya and isa say yahya say isa say yahya what is he born out of and also sayna ismail uh sorry sayna ishaq was born from this but it's not so different it's simply that he is born from a barren and menopausal woman both of them sayna ishaq and sayna uh yahya the top of the chain and the bottom of the chain you notice this the top of the chain was born from this, this different birth a woman who was barren her whole life then she hits menopause now it's game over so what is the difference a barren woman menstruates but doesn't give birth a that's called aqim in arabic it's called that 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 uh the word aqim is barren she menstruates but she doesn't give birth and then after that she is what's the arabic word for that um i don't know the arabic word for it but she's menopausal meaning right postmenopausal meaning she doesn't menstruate and she does definitely doesn't give birth now right so that is how sayna ishaq was born from a woman of that nature down the chain the last prophet from the bani israil sayna yahya there's sayna yahya and sayna isa but sayna isa is different in that he's not from the fathers but from the male line keeps going down sayna zakaria sayna yahya produces sayna yahya okay the last the first prophet to be born top of the chain ibrahim to ishaq bottom of the chain 
an equal, the same exact creation. Zachariah to Yahya. Father and mother, the mother is Aqim her whole life, and now she is after menopause. No. I, I think I got my female biology wrong. Could you look up the terms? Menopause, postmenopausal, I don't know. It's menopausal, right? Not postmenopausal. Yeah, it's menopausal. Okay. Forgive me for uh getting that stuff. It's not something that like, comes in daily conversation for me. Okay. But, but look at how the poetic, it's almost like artistry. The top of the chain of prophethood and the bottom of the chain has the same miracle. Just like Ismail was going to be slaughtered by his father Ibrahim, Abdullah, father of the Prophet was going to be slaughtered. The symmetry and the beauty of this, both lines, Ismail and Ishaq, begin in the same way and end in the same way. Okay. So, yeah, uh, you could say that Ishaq and Yahya were born of the same, not normal way. Okay. What about Isa? Of course, that is uh, a complete other uh, way of creation. So that's, we've listed five ways of creation now, right? Well, there's a sixth way of the creation of the human being. And that is in the resurrection. Our souls are put into the body in a different way. So your soul, you, you don't go into a womb. What happens? When the trumpet is blown, all the souls enter the presence of what's called Ardul Mahshar, the location of the judgment day. And all of the flesh that you used to be made of will come back and soar in the air and form your body. Okay. And what's the proof of that in the Quran? Which is Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Arini kayfa tuhil mawta. Show me how you give life to the dead. Meaning, how does the soul go back into the body after the soul has left it? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Awalam tu'min. He said, You don't believe that this is going to happen? Of course I believe, but it will give me more tumatnina to see it. Okay, so it increases your faith. So th- this is why we have witnesses. This is why we have contracts, right? I- if you uh, show me, tell me that you, 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 you paid my bills. That f- feels great. Can you, sh- if you show me the receipt, now I'm at a different level of trust when I see the receipt for myself. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, min Take four birds, cut them up. Okay. Slaughter them, cut them up into pieces. Then put, scatter them, put a little bit in different places around a mountain range that was there. Like far apart. On a mountain range so that you could look up and see the creation. Okay. Then call upon them. Right? Revive by the permission of Allah. So what happens? Sayyidina Ibrahim did exactly what he was told, put it all around. And then he says, he, he says, revive by the permission of Allah. And he saw their pieces of flesh flying together and meeting one another to form another bird. 
and the other one flying together to form the second bird and the third and the fourth. So like, that is the methodology by which we are created again uh, in the resurrection. That is the sixth way that Allah's created the human being. So it's just strange for the evolutionists. Why are you insisting that the only way the human being could have come about is from a male and a female? You've absolutized something completely subject, relative and subjective. Relative and subjective meaning that... Um, it, it, this is not absolute Human being can, does not have to come about Only by a mother and father We have to act upon that Right We are commanded to act upon that That means if you want to produce a human being Take the asbab But Allah is not limited to the asbab That's the point Hey, uh, can you hit the autofocus on this thing? All right, so that's the idea and the concept that the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of the human being, is not limited. The, we could have been created in any way that Allah wants. Could Allah have created the human being from an animal? Of course, it's by reason within Allah's power to do that. The qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ability of Allah is for things that he may create and he may not create. That's one of the, je the things that is possible for Allah. How to create something, what to create. It's very possible. There's nothing rationally impossible about that, nor scripturally impossible. That he could have created human beings, or not so I shouldn't say scripturally impossible. That's scripturally impossible. It's rationally possible. And scripturally, it's not impossible that in the future, if Allah was to will to create a species from another species, it could happen, right? But not in the past for the human being, right? So this is the concept of that death is nothing other than a transition. And if you are claiming, Ya Bani Israel, you are claiming, Ma'ashar al-Yahud, that you are able, that you are going to live in an existence that is far greater than this existence after the little hardship of death, not a big, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal, Right? In the grand scheme of things. Why aren't you wishing for death? Well, we know that when the Bedouins of the Arabs were informed of prophethood, they accepted it. And that when he asked, what is this battle that's about to happen? They said, oh, the prophet is fighting his enemies. So it seems to me that they had a sense that if you die for the sake of a prophet's cause, you go to heaven straight away. Because that Bedouin, he went and, and he asked to make sure, I go to paradise, if I die fighting for a prophet of God? The prophet said, yes. He said, then there's nothing between me and paradise than this small amount of dates that I was about to eat. He threw the dates, ran into battle, and died, and went to Jannah. And that man had not taken a ghusl, had never made wudu, had never uttered one word of the Quran, had never prayed a prayer in his life, fasted a day in his life, did anything, but he had the concept and Allah had willed for him this ending. Okay? He had probably not known the name of any Sahabi, yet Allah willed for him the highest rank to be a shaheed of the Sahaba. And this is a famous story, okay? That the man said, he just put two and two together. You're a prophet of God. Okay, well, God, we know the concept is heaven and hell. 
if if I die for you, I go to heaven straight away. What? A ch- what? I hit the lottery. You're literally walking, and you and you see a pot of gold. That's what happened to this man. Allah willed it, right? And he took advantage of it because other people didn't take advantage of it. Abu Jahl could have been a great aid to the Prophet. He chose the opposite path, right? He threw the dates. Uh, how about uh, Abdullah ibn Ubay? You see, it's not just people. There's no such thing as just getting lucky. There's a person who needs to receive the luck. Luck uh, does have a concept in Islam. It's called hadh. And it means that it's what Allah has, uh, has willed for you. Okay, we can call it fate too. What Allah has willed for you, that, but without your action. He didn't take any action to be in the situation where the Battle of Badr, or I believe it was the Battle of Badr, that, no, it was another one of the battles that was, that, that, that happened in. He didn't do anything for that. It's his hadh. Okay? And Allah mentions, ذو حظ عظيم. Okay? Hadh. That it's something Allah apportioned for you without your efforts. But someone, you have to be in a situation to take advantage of it. How many people, the, their, the situation falls right into their laps and they screw it up. So clearly that man must have done good in the past so that he could recognize the good in the present, right? And that's the thing that you, that's why they ask the question, can we, can we become good without Islam? If you say no, then how does anyone convert to Islam, right? Isn't that the best of deeds to go from being a pagan to being a Muslim? So clearly there is goodness outside of Islam. But that goodness will never ever be complete nor optimized without Islam, without revelation. We need revelation. So there is the concept of goodness is that comes from your fitrah. It comes from the Prophet himself said, leftover teachings of prophets that have scattered throughout the earth. It comes from even intellect. Intellect can tell me uh, that there is conflicts of interest. There, is, there are certain situations where... Um, Two people. Can you see why this is not charging? It's like really slow. When it's going down, actually, even though it's charging, right? Can uh, intellect can tell me that if I'm an accountant and the customer is my son, I can't be his representative, right? Intellect. Why? Because emotion is going to mix with reason. So that's a conflict of interest. Okay. So. Intellect also is a source of knowing goodness. But all of these three sources have limits. They will never be able to, to answer certain questions and they will never optimize your goodness because ultimately our goodness is optimized by the mixture of the dhikr, the Qur'an, and the revealed remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our hearts, and it optimizes. And the sharia answers questions that could never have been answered before. Okay, by mere intellect or fitrah. So, clearly, this man, though, when he came upon this battle and he came upon the Prophet, in his past, he had done good. He had lived well with his conscience that his fitrah was clean and he knew what to do right away. And he jumped right into the battle and died. And he believed and trusted. So he must have done good. So, hav is something that comes to you without any effort of yours. But your past will determine whether or not you could take advantage of it. And I'm telling you that the secret of these things are, it's the micro decisions you make every day. 
the micro decisions we make every day compile and allow us to take advantage of the major decisions. And how many times have you seen armies or teams in our world today? We haven't seen wars and armies really that much, but we've uh, even the wars of today are just like you don't. What do you? You don't see anything. It's not like uh, you, you you see a battle or anything. They're just in our minds. Maybe I'm sure the generals and the soldiers know what's going on, but in our minds, Iraq War, Afghanistan War, all that it's like a, bl- a blur. You know bad things are happening. That's it. You don't see a strategy and stuff on either side. But so teams that have all the talent in the world, but they cut corners because they think they're so good. They don't have to finish their laps. They don't have to practice hard because they look around and see superstars and they think they're so good. Then you got other teams that know that they're not good. They know they're not going to win on talent alone. So they have to put in extra effort in practice. Now, when these two teams face off, okay, and it comes down to the moment of truth, you see many cases, many times, where game seven goes to the weaker team because the weaker team chases after, does the dirty work, is willing to go the extra mile, does not believe in their talents, right? Whereas the bigger team, they feel that they're superior, like they've never had to try hard. Because they see superior talent around them. And whenever superior teams blow out other teams, it's almost like a type of istidraj. It's almost like a type of, uh, it's, a, it's a, a curse. Because it makes them believe in their talent more and the requirement of hard work less. So that's why if you want to know how to make yourself ready to, take, to, to be able to take advantage of Allah's gifts, you look at the micro decisions. Every... Cutting corners. And for guys, it's like this. In the summertime, there will be literally dozens of moments every day where you enters into your peripheral vision, something you're not allowed to look up. You have a decision right there. Now, if you were to extend your gaze for two seconds... Would you feel that you had committed a major sin? Does a person would your would you be held responsible? Would would you feel that you have committed? No, it's a minor sin, right? But the problem is that this is going to recur. I would say five thousand times in the summer, between spring and summer, it's going to recur. Whereas the person who says that. I'm going to turn my gaze down. I'm going to look away. It's that. It's the choice. It's the decision. And Allah's watching that decision. So then there's going to come a time where an amazingly great gift is right there for your reaching. All you have to do is repeat that small minor act that you did, but you won't be able to do it. Because every time you had the micro decision, you said, it's not a big deal. And you didn't do it. So you didn't exercise that taqwa. Taqwa has to be exercised in order to get stronger. Right? And that's why we have to know fiqh. Because you cannot avoid haram unless you know what's haram. You cannot do a sunnah unless you know what's a sunnah. You can't do a fard unless you know what's a fard. And the best deeds are the ones that are most difficult for you. It's not the best deed in itself, it's the best deed for you. The best deed in itself, of course, is saying la ilaha illallah. Okay? Prophet said this. But the, the best uh, deed for you 
is the deed that you want to do that you can't do. That Allah forbade you. Or the deed that you have to do and you don't want to do it for some reason. Such as getting up for Fajr. Maybe very difficult for some people. That's your best deed. But if you work the night shift, right? And your challenge will maybe getting up for us, right? If someone works from 11 p.m. to 8 a.m., Fedra is in the middle of his day, of his work day. And no one's there, right? No one's at work. There's no hardship for that person to pray Fedra. So for him, the best deed may be when he goes home and by the time he sleeps, let's say he sleeps at noon and he wakes up before Maghrib, well then Asr will be the hardest thing for him. Or Dhuhr will be the hardest thing. So it's relative. Let's now go to your comments and your questions. Is that thing charging or no? What's wrong with that thing? Okay, good. We'll leave that for now. Oh, okay. Salam, rahmatullah, ahlam, marhaban, tafadl, qadmal qadin. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for open QA. Salam alaikum. Give a hug. How are you? Salman S. is saying It's like the turtle versus the hare Exactly The, the hare the, the hare or the rabbit Feels that um, He's got superior talent Superior speed So that leads him To take the matter lightly The tortoise knows It doesn't have enough talent to win So It takes every step Every, it leaves no stone unturned. Okay. It's interesting to me how like some of these uh, children's stories are so yep. applicable to every age group. Oh, it's uh, it it's is. Like, they're so it is. simple but so like iconic. Like how many times do you hear the children here being brought up in like every totally. aspect of life? The Sheikh uh, Mickey L. Smith was at the Norley Man School's um, graduation ceremony. He gave a speech which was amazing. He said. Uh, it, it, he took it from a guy who had he cited the credit I don't know who the credit was but he cited the guy but he said that if all we practice was what we learn in terms of character morals and character is what we learned in kindergarten what would the world be like like in kindergarten all the akhlaq that you really needed for life you're, you're taught in kindergarten share make room and like wash your hands uh, don't touch other people's stuff. Listen to your elders. Listen to your teacher. You listen to your elders, right? Put things back where you found them, right? <laughs> don't take other people's stuff. Don't make a mess. Clean up after yourself. And he went on, and and it was amazing that I'm thinking to myself, that's actually true. If and he said, imagine if nations did this, right? If nations didn't touch stuff that's not yours, right? What would the world be like? What? Oh, now, <laughs> now he, brothers, I don't know if your mic is on, but it says uh, nowadays kindergarten is different. That's why, uh, you know, they're, they're ruining the kids. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Nuh that Sayyidina Nuh complains, Oh Allah, they, they don't give birth except to a profligate disbeliever. Thinking about that, what does that mean? Of course, no baby comes out as a disbeliever and a kafir, but he's saying the transition from birth to kufr is so quick. There's not even room to talk to the kid. 
Like you can't even appeal to the fitra of a kid. They distort the kids so quickly, right? And that's what's happening now. The kids are now distorted because no fitna can come to another prophet except it's going to come to the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the absence of the prophet sallallahu and that ummah will overcome that fitna, all of it showing the greatness of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Any fitna that you see happen to any prophet, we will get some of it, right? The Prophet will be there for it Or he will not be there for it It's not going to make a difference When he is not there for it In other words, I'm saying I mean it's not going to make a difference In terms of magnifying the rank of the Prophet Because if the followers of the Prophet Pass a test in the absence of the Messenger who's, Who gets the credit? That's more credit to the Prophet Like way after me You followed my teachings in Between the binds of a book And transmitted through men And you still pass the test Right, that is even a greater testimony to the power of Islam and the greatness of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Let's compare that, not to compare prophets, but to compare ummas. Let's say we have there have been messengers whom, within one hundred years of their death, the essence of the faith was lost and confused. Right, like within one hundred years of of Christianity. Of Din and Nasara, the the religion of the those who supported Sayyidina Isa, right? They didn't even know who's God. Within a hundred years, you didn't know who's God. How unreal is that? That shows that that religion was not meant for the end of time. You lost it. You fumbled it. You're you're here in the Super Bowl. You fumbled the ball on the first play. On the first drive, you fumbled it, and they scored. The game's over. What happened to Peyton Manning against the Seahawks? You guys remember that? Too young for that, maybe. First game, first play of the game, it was over. My, I never used to watch the Super Bowl, but some friends of mine they said, "Oh, you got to come." And our family used to be friends with their family, so we used to all go. And I'm sitting there, and the game's at Giant Stadium. We're watching the game. Peyton Manning, the elects, or I don't know, Seahawks elect to defer, so Peyton Manning gets the ball first. They punt off to the uh, Broncos. They get the ball. They're at like the, it's a, it was a bad, a bad return. It was a bad return. So they get the ball. It was a great kick and a bad return. They get the ball very close to the end zone. Peyton Manning goes out for the first play of the game. He's making the calls. Okay. And the guy, he couldn't hear, I guess, the center hikes the ball. It goes over Peyton Manning's head. Uh, Seahawk defense recovers it, gets two points right there on the first play. They pan over to Peyton Manning's face. You know the game's over. He was so shocked, so surprised what just happened. And he's not the type that handled pressure very well. That was his, his downfall, right? Or not his, his weak point. He was shot. Done. Game over. That's what these, these deans did. These followers of deen, Allah says, you were made to, to guard the word of Allah. You lost the concept of who God is in the first century. And then you had to have an argument of the Nicene, uh, that whole Nicene creed, and they had a, basically had an isna conference to discover who's God. <laughs> you had to go and call all the priests. To, uh, hey, hey, guys, who's God? Who are we worshiping here? What is the nature of Jesus? All sorts of imaginary things about Jesus, right? Oh, he's, he is man and God at the same time. All, go, go into the Nicene creed, you will see... So many contradictions. And by the way, some of those, I, I remember reading some of those who 
who had an actual Tawheed were banned from coming to the conference. They like had the conference without some people. And the guy comes in, Constantine, and he's a politician, right? I need one policy for the whole empire. And he forces them to come up with a paragraph real quick. And they come up with something. And who knows if all of what we know about the Nicene Creed is even transmitted properly. It's all... Where's the Senate for all of it? Even the stuff that's wrong doesn't have a Senate, right? Our our daif and extremely daif hadith, threadbare hadith, has more weight his, historically, has stronger historicity than everything else. Yeah. Crazy. He's uncreated and begotten. Come on. And then you're going to be against the trans who aren't making any sense? How? I have to say, I'm sorry. Like, how? Read, read it again. He is uncreated and begotten simultaneously. I don't get it. Honestly, you you miss it's the, the aql has gone out of the room. These are basic logical like premises. The law of non-contradiction was slaughtered, victimized, run over, buried, right? And disappeared, which is now a verb. Okay? So then explain to me how, why you would be upset with the trans movement just from a rational perspective. I get it from the fitra perspective. But from the, and by the way, you know that some trans have said this? They said, you all Christians hold beliefs like this. That things are what they really aren't. And you're forced to believe that. Okay. Yet you're bothered when I tell you I'm I'm a guy or a female. Please. Can we have suggestions for Islamic books for teenagers, please? Says Umm Maryam. I would highly, highly agree. Uh, uh, recommend you get. A number of different books on Sirah, stories of Sahaba, and the proofs of the belief in Allah and His Messenger. Three subjects. The Prophet and the Sahaba is people, gives you people to look at. Okay? And it's the, their stories are the encapsulation of so many different Islamic teachings, right? Because that's the fa'idah, the benefit of a story, is that it encapsulates so much in one incident. And those books should be read nonstop. And secondly, I would advise you to get um, Hamza Sorts' book on, what is it called? The Divine Reality. And get this book. I have also a small book, very thin, but uh, it's out of print right now. 
this book right here, The Divine for Critical Minds. And if they're 7, 16, 15, 16, 17, they could probably understand this. If they're more like 13, 14, and maybe 15, they maybe can't understand this. But they must be introduced to the rational strength that underwrites our belief. Like the rational proofs that underwrite our beliefs. And people, really, it's very surprising when people talk about kalam and they're wondering, oh, is it halal? Wait, hold on a second. Don't you, every single thing you do, don't you think before you do it? Every single thing that you do, you must think before you do it. When the Sahaba believed in the Prophet ﷺ, they thought about it, all of them except Abu Bakr Siddiq. He had so much experience with the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't even think about it. That's why his iman is different from everyone else's. It's, better, it's at a categorically higher level. But everyone else thought about the Prophet, thought about the message, and accepted it. Thinking, that's all people are saying. When the revelation comes, and you read the words of the revelation... You have to think what the words are and analyze and read other verses and make sure your understanding does not contradict other verses. That's use of logic, right? Thinking, that's all it is. Usul um, al-fiqh. If a hadith says that something is haram, the faqih, the mujtahid imam, he knows so many hadiths. We can never say all the hadiths, but close to that, right? The mujtahid imams. And they know the verses of the Qur'an with the Arabic knowledge that they have the permission or they have the ijazah from their, they have the uh, ability to ensure that their rulings don't contradict each other. And wheresoever there is a contradiction, they have to have a reason why they chose one over another. We have stories between, I was just reading this, um, I want to read it again because I can't remember all the... the it was Awza'i and Abi Hanifa. When Awza'i said, Ya Imam, you are an elder. Why don't you rule by raising the arms before the Ruku'ah and after the Ruku'ah? When the Hadith has in it so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. He says, because I have another Hadith that has so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so that the Prophet only raises hands once. And I have another one that Ibn Umar, who you're citing, did not raise his hand. So I take his action... Over his narration. And so-and-so in the chain is older than so-and-so in your chain. And so-and-so in the next chain is superior to so-and-so in the next chain. Right? And he went and he compared the whole chain. So what is that? That is a method. That is thinking, logic, using your brain. And we call that, in, in the law, we call it usul al-fiqh. In the belief, we call it ilm al-kalam. The people, they just want to smear it with the Greek. Have you ever seen a Greek book ever? I've never seen one, never seen a Greek term, never seen any of this. It's a complete fabrication, uh, uh, fabricated, right? Just like Sufis, they're grave worshippers. We don't even have graves here, right? <laughs> we don't have graves of awliya here. Well, I'm sure they're awliya, but they're not like graves in the sense you go sit down. I've been with the shiuch in Egypt. We visited graves. In Mecca, we visited graves. In Medina, we visited graves with shiuch. In Tarim, we visited graves. Nothing happened. They went to the graveyard. They stood with respect. They said, Assalamu alaikum daraqawmin mu'mineen wa insha'Allah bihukum lahiqun to everybody. They made dua for everybody and everyone makes dua for themselves and they recited some Quran. That Quran recitation, we intend it as a gift for the dead. If not, even if you don't do that, they hear it. Right? We know that the dead can hear. 
okay, let's say the dead can't hear. Well, we'll eat, eat because some of them have restricted the hearing of the dead to a certain time of day, right? Like Ibn Qayyim says they can only hear Fridays, right? Friday before Fajr, uh, between Fajr and Ashraq, whatever it is. It's stuff that's said and repeated over and over and over, no different than trans women or women. It's just repetition. Greeks and graves. Greeks and graves. I haven't seen a Greek and I've seen a grave, right? I've seen anyone doing an ibadah by a grave, doing ibadah to a grave, right? It's literally, show us the video of a scholar that is doing ibadah to a grave. It's, wallah, it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. And it reminds me of those who were just saying trans women are women. They just have to repeat it over and over and over. Greeks didn't come up with logic. It's like, why are you using language? Yeah. They were kuffar before you used Exactly. Language. So why are you speaking English? Why are you speaking these languages? What the Greeks did is, the best thing they would have done is to codify what is implicit to all people. What is something that is innate, I should say, the word. Innate to all people to think rationally. What they did is codified things, right? They codified this. So it's also innate for people to try to discover easier ways to do things, right? But who discovered modernity? The British. Factories and... Who was the first person to use machines to move things instead of servants and slaves? The British. Birmingham. I believe Birmingham is the, place the, 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 the first place to have a factory where machines moved things rather than humans having to move things. So the desire to make things easier for us is innate to all humans. So if I go and I build a factory, I'm imitating the kuffar now and taking from the kuffar. Why are you driving to the masjid? Exactly. Cars are <laughs> your, your use of technology, it's an innate desire to make things more efficient. Likewise, we have innate, all human beings want to be more efficient. All human beings want to be more comfortable. All human beings appreciate logical thinking. All human beings appreciate compassion. Just because one civilization codified it, or was the first civilization to codify it, does not mean that they invented it. No one invents logic. It's innate to all human beings. Right? SubhanAllah. This book is really good. Get this book and get Hamza Swartz's book so that your youth can go to college. You know what? Even if they don't understand a word, they know that Muslim scholars, they thought about things. Because that's what I felt with Fakhr Razi. When I came upon philosophers like Davidson and all these guys, and I'm reading their books, and I'm like getting a headache from like how um, really complex their thought patterns were. And I would open some other books, some other Islamic books looking for answers. But I wouldn't see thought. I would just see naql. Now like, oh yeah, I appreciate the transmission, but you, there's no thought here, right? Then you go to Fakhr al-Razi, he gives you a transmission, then he gives you 10 pages of thought. And I can't understand what he's saying. I'm like 18 years old, 17 years old. I can't understand what he's saying. But that I, I want to not understand, right? In the sense that when I'm 17, if I understand everything that you're saying, that's a problem, right? I'm just a year one talib ilm. I shouldn't be able to understand books like that. So the existence of knowing that these people were refuting others at that same level... I just rest assured, I know we got Fakhr Razi. Open up the books of Ghazali, like his, bo his book on the philosophers. Oh, this is going to be the book. All right? It's going to be the book to refute these people. Read it, can't understand what he's saying. 
okay, he's at a higher level. I shouldn't be able to as a year one student. But it gives you a perspective that we got we got our heavyweights. They know what's going on. And later in life, you, you, you get there and understand what they're saying. Abu Bakr says, using geometry. It's Greek. Don't use it to build masajid. He says, you can go as far as to say that if you criticize logic for being Greek, you should outright reject Euclidean geometry. Yeah. So because of people wrote about it, and, they, and what was the kufr? Can you trade, please? Is where insofar as they had assumptions that were not based upon actual observations, they were not provable, they were not anything. Okay? They were just beliefs. That's what we would have to reject. Like their belief, I think it was Aristotle who believed that the universe has always existed. Plato or one of them. I don't even know. Right? Go open the books of Imam and Nawi. Tell me what's in there that's Greek. Because he is a mutakallim, but the simplest version of everything. All right, give me a question. Uh, I, my phone died, but give me a question from uh, from Facebook, um, from YouTube, because my phone is dead. Can we still offer Sadat and Wudu? A sunnah prayer after making wudu, even if we had previously prayed with. Can we offer salat al what? Wudu, like you know, I think like praying after. You can pray. It's two rakas. Yes. No, if you prayed witr, then no. Yeah. You don't pray uh, nawafil after witr. Mm. No. You don't pray nawafil after witr. Yeah, I mean, saying I saw Habib Omar in a dream making dua. What is this? Mashallah, mashallah. It's a very good dream. And that you should also make dua. The believer is the mirror of the believer, and he should. Uh, if sometimes you see a righteous person doing something in, in a dream, it may be like a suggestion for you to do the same thing. So you should increase in, in dua. Um, Sykes 12 says, Can you repeat the name of the books? Um, the Divine for Critical Minds. And the other book is Hamza Sorts' is what? The divine reality. And hey, can I bother you to look in here for the second book there and see if that's the book on evolution by Mahin? Uh, no, no, Tahsin. Is it? No, it's not. Tahsin's book on evolution. Tahsin Khan wrote a great book on evolution, which we should get. People should get. Asking, what's the schedule for NBF this summer? Yeah, same. We're back. We don't have any other breaks unless something happens as an emergency. But Monday through Thursday, one to three. Seiko uh, eighty seven say, Sheikh, what of he deadpan said? I leave you. What does that mean exactly? You guys uh, translate that into youth from into English from youth. No, it's an Instagram. It says, what if he deadpan said, I leave you? Um, is he speaking youth or what? Because I don't understand half the stuff that... Yeah. Here's Awesome83 says, I need to decide between sending our 10-year-old son to an all-boys highly selective academic school in the UK versus a new Islamic school. 
opened up but has no track record. I'm not going to send my... Um, no, uh, these days, a kefir isn't regular old kefir anymore. I'm sorry to say this and talk like this, right? But this is the truth. The non-believer is not your regular old non-believer anymore, right? Like the old days, he's a Christian. That's it, right? He may be a bit modernist in his thinking, but he's a Christian. I tend to believe, and Allah knows best, that a lot of these, they're heavily influenced in uh, a completely antithetical worldview that is going to be filled with a lot of Ligbidi-Q and all these other things and those agendas. And on top of that, it's going to be a place of excessive mingling for high schoolers, right? Boys and girls, and we know that's a problem. And our belief is that if the heart is clouded, the intellect is clouded. So if you want someone to think clearly, purify their heart first from these sins and everything. Allah always says to these people, right? What happened to your intellects? Because the sins down here have disallowed you to think clearly. Okay. So I would have to say that it's, I don't care so much about the words people are saying. I care more about the environment for the heart. Knowledge can be learned in many different ways. Uh, but alone is best, you know. That's just my thinking. Zain Mahmoud is asking, what is the most important thing, uh, thing to do as a new parent uh, preparing for therapy out of your child? Uh, most important thing to do as a parent, it's not really to do, it's where you put your attention. And where you're going to put your attention is on sabr. Because I'm going to tell you, you're only going to regret two things, I believe, in my pers- position. Uh experience you're only going to regret getting angry and you're going to regret not being there missing out on things so what people regret is probably the most important thing and most people do regret anger and absence so that's why i think that you should you should attention should be on presence and sabr kids will they don't value your stuff because they they have no they have no concept of that so they may tear up your books. I remember one time um, a guy came and he said that, he told us a story. He said that they came home from Eid and there was just two parents and, and one kid. Came home from Eid and as everyone, usually people fall asleep after Eid, especially in Ramadan, right? Fell asleep and the kid did not fall asleep because the kid obviously was not, two-year-old was not fasting with them, right? So he didn't fall asleep. So he woke up. They came back. The whole reachable level of books in the library was on the ground. Not in some neat way, thrown. All the books were thrown. Anything that the kid could reach were thrown. And they slept through it. He woke up and had a fit of anger. And then he realized, what am I doing? Yelling. Scared the kid. Made him cry. But yelling and getting so angry at a creature who does not have any ill will in what he's doing. He just has no reference point for this that you have to take care of books. So anger and, and absence, I would say, focus on. If you can avoid those, you don't always have to be a great parent, but avoid the screw-ups, and that's how you screw people up. What was the most intriguing animal that you came across today? Oh, man. Did you guys see that thing that I posted on Twitter? In Sudan... Allah gave these, the, 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 the people of the Nile River, a gift. 
You know what the biggest danger in the Nile River is? Crocodiles. So in Florida, they have these little alligators, maybe this big, this big, that. Alligator is not a big problem. Crocodiles are a huge... Keep going down. That's weird. That was weird. We're going to get to that. The but, story? Yeah, take a picture of that. A, 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 a screenshot. Yeah. Scary. That bird looks like a dinosaur. They look four feet tall. They're tall. They're storks, so they have long legs. Their bill... It, look how huge... Yeah, take that picture. That's perfect. The one you just clicked. Yeah, that one. Their bills are huge. And when they walk around... Okay, they uh, sound like it's a machine gun going off, right? What the weird thing is that it sounds like the machine gun's going off, but the voice sounds like someone's screaming. So literally, they produce the two sounds that make it sound like an attack, right? I got to get it for you here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the sound here. Yeah, it sounds like a gunshot. Yeah, and, but they're, but this, and, the, and the sound that they're making with their... With their uh, with their voice, though, simultaneously sounds like someone's screaming. It's the weirdest thing. Okay, here we go. And this this thing eats baby crocodiles. So this stork has been created by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to reduce to level out the crocodile population, which is a gift for the people of the Nile. Look at this me. Oh, enlarge it and push me to the side. There you go. This is a mean looking bird. You all see that? Wow, that is a mean looking bird. You do not want to mess around with that bird. Not all birds are nice fluffy things. Shoebill stork. Native of Sudan. We should have a segment. I have to get you the sound of it Animal because... Huh? We're going to have an animal segment. Yeah, we need an animal segment. Uh, I got to get you the sound of it because it's sounding like. It eats monkeys whole. You know that? Monkeys whole. I don't want this. Play that. You hear that? Go back to when she's screaming and making the noise. It sounds like a, a hold on. Let me let me find it so I can put it up to the mic. Just search it on YouTube. Okay. What is it? What's the shoebill stork? What's the title of that specific video? I think it's the second one. Uh, it's like 18 seconds long. Yeah, this the clattering sounds like machine gun Jap- Japan. Matthew. Yeah, here we go. Listen to this. Ancient Egyptian artwork. Scotia. Yeah, listen to this. You hear that screaming? Someone shooting the bird? No, that's the bird making 
So I had to check if this was AI first when I first saw it. I thought it was AI. Like someone had designed this thing. But this is the actual sound of the bird. Crazy. I bet that would be a good war tactic. Just throwing it out there. And yeah. Like a <laughs> Do that. And then when you, when you get attention from the cops and stuff, what? I'm just playing a video, sir. It's like a I'm bird watching. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they'll take me to court for that. Like they're taking me to court for the goat. I have huge anxiety about the hellfire. Have good opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I'm at work and giving the Muslim extra perks, but being more strict in terms of rules and regulations, is this appropriate? If it's not outside the bounds, if it's within the bounds of your own, your purview as a manager. Okay. Um... I think that you should be generous in general because it's the best character in Dawa. Yeah, read me, Omar. You on Instagram? Or? I'm on Instagram, but I don't see Sheikh, uh, what does it mean to be content uh, in decree? How do we reconcile between making dua for what we want and being content with Allah's decree? Uh, very good question. How do I reconcile between making dua but being content with Allah's decree? Very simple answer. Contentment is for things that are now and in the past. Dua is for the future. They have nothing to do with each other, right? I'm very content and happy with everything that I have now. I'm making du'a for more. Du'a is not contentment is not related to the future. Contentment is related to the present. Okay. Very simple. And why do I want more? Is that greed? No, it's not greed. I'm not harming anybody. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has so many ni'am, so many beautiful things that He created, and I want some of it. It's going to make me. Have more shukr. That's the condition. It will become an ibadah for you if it makes you have more shukr. So you should always write, say, Allah maktubni min ashakirin, wajani min ashakirin. Okay. Here's a question from Adam What makes video games haram to play? Okay. What would make a specific video game haram to play? Some have said what is haram to do. Is har- uh, physically is haram to do virtually Others have said no Shooting someone virtually Is not haram at all So I tend to think that shooting someone virtually Is not haram right? You just It's target practice right? What's the difference between that and shooting a piece of paper right? Going to a range and shooting a piece of paper So I don't necessarily buy that But Things that would be haram to look at Things that would be haram To do In terms of um, let's say I'm shooting a, at a person in a video game. It's a it's a war game. War is not necessarily haram. We might have to go to war someday. But if there's something like, um, I don't even know what, what's in games these days. Stealing, raping, this stuff is not in games, right? It, it depends on what you're Depends. There, stuff is in games, so that would be haram, right? But I don't necessarily. So I don't necessarily think about the specific in the game. However, you, you as haram, but I would discuss it as benefit or harmful, which is a different level of a discussion. So not everything is just legal, because le- things that are lawful could be bad for you. Is it good for you to just be sh- just shooting, 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 and seeing blood squirt everywhere? It may desensitize you to that, right? Some people are of the school of thought that desensitization to violence has a benefit. Yeah, in the sense that 
if violence ever breaks out and you are desensitized to it, your mind will be able to react better. Your body won't shut down. Whereas if you are, if you're very sensitive to blood and you see someone get shot and blown to bits in front of you, you are going to panic and shut down completely. You'll be of no use to anybody or even to yourself and you'll be the next victim. So there is a value in a sense to desensitization to blood and violence. So what about like, uh, there is a value to that. What about virtual women and like uncovered, uncovered and virtual women. I'd probably say, I would have to say that, um, I would want, want to see what the Muftis have to say about it, but these things are also have an element of intent and we can't say that it is something that is, will have no ruling to it. And I don't know if we can say that it's the same as looking to an actual picture of a woman, a cartoon of a woman, right? So if you have Betty Boop and you have an actual woman, it cannot be the same, right? Yet at the same time, she's looking, having that everywhere cannot also be nothing. Like you're blocking the means. Yeah, blocking the means. It's it doesn't seem to be becoming right. It is le- definitely going to lead you to that. So I would have to say that it can't. We can't say it's nothing, and we can't say it's equal. So between the two, between looking at a real woman, and between nothing, it's got to be something. So within karahiya and maybe tahrim. Yes. Turban tutorial. I lost my black turban. Still very upset about that. I have one. I can bring it. But what is it like? What material? It's black, but I don't know. The material's a little different. Jersey? I don't know. I, I just use the quick jersey material, right? Because it stretches. It's You can form it, right? It was perfect. And I don't know how I lost it. And I believe that after Ramadan, I was a bit ruthless cleaning out the masjid. <laughs> about 10 days after Ramadan, People's stuff was all in the masjid. And it was collecting bugs, to be honest with you. So I cleared out, came with some some volunteers. We cleared out the whole masjid. We literally had piles this big of shoes, piles this big of clothes. So I said, put out a message to everybody. If you want your stuff, come to the soup kitchen, get it on Wednesdays. And we did that for two weeks. There was some good stuff there. We gave it all to the poor, right? So someone maybe... I got some of that back to me and lost my my turban cloth. Was it black? Or? It was black, yeah. Black jersey material. Very simple. Perfect length. Anyway, you lose stuff, you get stuff, it happens. When can we drop off supplies to the soup kitchen? Wednesday. If it's closed, you drop it off Tuesday. They set up on Tuesday. If it's food, you drop it off 5 o'clock on Wednesday or 5.30 on Wednesday. Should I read on YouTube? Hmm? Should I read from YouTube? Yeah, read from YouTube. Let's swap. Would creating 3D avatars of people in virtual reality be considered haram? Will... Uh, creating 3D versions of people as avatars being haram 
No, it will not be haram. Be makruh. If it's a full body, it's makruh. If it's a full body and has a shadow in real life, not in virtual life, then it is haram. Full body means that which, um, that which uh, can survive. So a human without a leg can survive, right? But a human cut from the waist cannot survive. A bust cannot survive. So the the criterion is two things: can it survive, as is, and does it have a shadow in real life, a physical shadow, not a painting of a human of a full person and the painting of his shadow. So an avatar in in in, in online virtual avatar would not be. Um, Considered a real shadow So if it's a full body It's makru If it's just a bust Or a face Or a head That could not survive And it doesn't have a shadow Then halal That's Those are the true criteria This is Zag Like Arzag Who? Zag What is he saying? <laughs> he's yeah his, He's promoting his nickname. his nickname huh? He's saying Sheikh Shad You gotta hop on threads Instead of Twitter Explain Thre- Oh threads is face Oh I gotta download he's, he's it <laughs> I'm gonna download it It's called threads Yeah I wonder why he chose that name because threads are, you know, just series of tweets. It's called a thread, right? So I wonder why he called that. But let's let's check out. Because Zag is our guy here. He's our Facebook guy. And he works. Uh... All right. I see it here. Threads, an Instagram app, all right? Just Twitter, basically. It's Twitter, basically. But we'll go on there and we'll, uh, we'll talk about uh, what we always talk about. Why not create an account? And, and, and get ahead of the game. All right. Have you used Threads, Omar? I've looked at it, but like, there's a lot of beef, apparently, between Elon and uh, Zuckerberg. Yeah. Because uh, well, he, he's basically saying... And they have a lawsuit, actually, I, I saw, against uh, Zuckerberg, because they're saying that he scraped like all the data from Twitter and copied and pasted it onto Threads and just like ripped it off. Zuckerberg is not my favorite. He did the same thing with like stories as well. He ripped off... A lot of people in his life. I don't mind to rip it off, but make it better, right? Rip people off, that's life, right? If you're better. You went and you tried to do the meta and failed badly, right? Didn't he fail badly? I think so. I haven't heard of it, honestly. It's shut. Hey, Zog, is, is meta shut down? I don't know if you're allowed to say, but it's shut down, right? They... they, they Meta is shut down, if I, if I'm correct about what happened. Is Zog answering? Uh, he's not even answering. Seiko, if you could just put your question again. What's All right. Question? Yeah, put your question again, please, Seiko. Pictures of the soup kitchen, Dar el the studio. Oh, well, the inside, phase two. So take a year. We're going to have a launch good campaign soon. Okay. But the outside, we showed it last week. Do you have it still there in, in the, uh, oh, like the Cosina pictures? The what we acquired, what we promised, what we... Do you have that? Mm-hmm. 
And we actually want to think about um, streaming, you know. Zuckerberg survives on his competitive nature. His products, his best, the best product that he produced was the early years of Facebook, the early years of the Facebook mobile app. Instagram, he didn't produce, he bought. WhatsApp, he didn't produce, he bought. What has he screwed up big time? Facebook. I used to find it so easy to use Facebook. I used to go on, click a button, and it's right there. Now, I go on, there, there are about no less, I guarantee you, than 100 images. I can't find what I need. I can find it, but I have to think for about five seconds, and the thing takes so much to load. I'm done. I'm done with this. So I think that he needs to go. And now, thing updates every five days. So my Instagram inbox, my Facebook inbox is now Messenger, and everything is there, and I have no clue what's happening. Like, you can't change on people that much that quick, right? And everything's merged. Not a fan. I'm not a fan of Elon Musk, but he's done a better job reviving Twitter, in my opinion. I don't like, I, I like half of Elon Musk and I don't like the other half. The other, you know that he's, he's, a, he's a big hater of Islam. Yeah, I saw his replies to some of these tweets. Yeah, he's a big, he loves these uh, anti-Islam people. That's the part of him I don't like. I do like the other side of him, right, in terms of his, uh, but he's not my favorite inventor at all. My favorite of them is Steve Jobs, without a doubt. There's no discussion. And Thomas Edison. Those are the, those are the real ones. Huh? Didn't Edison steal the whole light bulb? Did he steal it? From Tesla or something. This is like something I heard. He had beef with Tesla. He shut him down, I think. He was pretty mean to Tesla. Okay, so now my Instagram is merged with threads. I'm not a fan of all this stuff. Everything is merged. I guess it makes sense, but let's see. I'm going to... Half my friends are in here already. Sheikh Nassad is here. Moeen is here. They're actually going to do it? I heard, I heard, yeah. Where? At the Roman Coliseum? <laughs> I saw that too. I don't know. That would be crazy. I think they're trying to set it up. Um, I, I'm going to go. I don't know. I'm not a fan of either one. But uh, I don't know how Zuckerberg can defeat Musk, who is twice his weight. It's right? True. Huh? He has some training, I think. He has training, but when a guy can just sit on you, right? Depends if he makes weight, Elon. But but there are different weight classes too, right? So how is that going to work? All right, I'm on threads officially. I'm on threads. And it's essentially, as you said, a, a Twitter version of Twitter, essentially. You can re-thread something, heart something, comment, or... Post it. Some questions. Okay. Any more questions? Huh? What's the question? Give me a question. Couple, I think we missed. Uh, 
Someone's asking, how can one live in Medina? Practically, do you know anyone from America who settled there? Yes. I know someone who's in Medina right now and can show you how to live there, paperwork, visa. It's getting easier. So you need to contact me. Will there ever be an Arcview Muntik course? Yes, inshallah. See, one thing I like about Zuckerberg, I think he did better than Musk. No anons. You have to be a real human and you have to put yourself out there on Facebook and Instagram, right? Pretty much Instagram, I think, too. I mean, you can be an organization. But the uh, Musk is supporting the anons. He announced it. He said he will support anons. Anons, to me... I'm not... I don't... Uh, I think that um, they're a nuisance. By the way, so much of my Twitter now is bots. Liking, responding. I'm like, who are these... I look at a thing, someone who quote tweet. You know, you want to read what people are quote tweeting. You click on it, and it's it's a bot. A lot of bots on my Twitter these days. I don't know why, but there's lots of bots. I, it's not going to be just for me. It's be for everybody, right? So that's one of the thing I don't like. Is is all the uh, all the bots? Someone's asking. Uh, maybe ask this question like five times. So. What is it? Said, uh, about the unseen, what about fortune tellers and soothsayers? Some stuff they say, uh, some some stuff they say turns out to be exactly true. Yes, um, for Prophet Sallallahu said about for soothsayers and um, and uh, all these people is the Prophet Sallallahu said they're liars even when they're correct, which means that th- they are saying so many things that eventually one of them is going to appear to be correct. So we don't listen to anything they have to say. We never be afraid of them, never be concerned by them. Okay? And never um, think twice about them, nor read their stuff even out of interest. Haram. There's an ID number for everyone on threads. Okay? Let's look. It's just imported directly. The ID number. Where is it? I don't even see an ID number here on threads. I should write something. Testing. Okay. So, so what? what so I haven't. There's a now another social media that we have to follow and and, and make sure that we're. Uh, we're looking at oh gosh what a headache more questions or? yeah go ahead someone's asking Sheikh what does it mean for a tariqah to go back to Ali radiallahu anhu what types of things is it that he taught versus what are some things that are added through the experience of shiuch over time like for example in the shahadati tariqah all of the turuq can be Numbered as 40, many say. 39, as I need, go back to Sayyidina Ali. One, goes back to Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Naqshbandiya. And it is, all the turuq are, not all, like a, to reduce it in, a, in its value, notes, but to reduce it in its, in its summary. Summary of the matter is that it is how to perfect your servitude to Allah. Okay. 
Kamal al Ubudiya lillah, or Takmilat, or you can say, okay, it's, it is perfecting our Ubudiya to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what the Shaykh will show you how to do it and guide you to it. In the same way that we don't believe in somebody who studied all his fiqh from a book. We don't believe in that. You have to study fiqh from books, from videos, from tapes, from lectures, and most of all, number one, from humans. From a human shaykh. Likewise, to perfect our ubudiyah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tahqiq. Optimizing. Making a reality. Our ubudiyah to Allah ta'ala. By keeping the suhbah of somebody who's done it. Who's, and that person kept the sahaba of someone who did it back to the Prophet is the standard. Okay, So that's what the turuq are in a nutshell. What does every shaykh bring? They are inspired with different ad'iyah that are filled with blessings and barakah. Are they at the level of dua as-sunnah? Of course not. Al-ad'iyah al-masnuna? Of course not. But that doesn't mean annahu yakhlu min khair. La yakhlu min khair. Of course it has a lot of good in it. And if Allah loves Abd, his dua and his adhkar will be probably better for me than even adhkar that I make up myself. I can make up a wirt. Anybody can make up a wirt. The question is, does Allah love you as much as he loved that person? And is it better for you to do things yourself or to follow somebody? Okay, so that's where... Um, the That's what these... Adhkar and awrad. Imam Nawi has a wird. I have. I can write my own wird. Who's gonna? Who? Which one would you rather say? You have one wird to recite before you die. Am I gonna take Imam Nawi's or myself? I'll take Imam Nawi's. Right. So there are adhkar masnuna that are. Some say, "Why would I take Imam Nawi's wird when I have the prophets?" What do you think Imam Nawi's wird is composed of? The dua from the Sunnah. That he selected, okay, and he put in his awrat. One of them people say, Oh, he innovated. What did he innovate? Allah, Allah, ala ashabi. Allah, Allah, ala mali. Allah, Allah, ala nafsi. That's one of the things. How do you say he innovated it? Did not the Prophet said the qiyamah will not arise until people stop saying Allah, Allah? So he took that and he said, So that the qiyamah never. The summary is, I hope the qiyamah never arises upon you. Allah, Allah, ala ashabi, right? Or how about this? Did not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, the Prophet sallallahu said, A'udhu bismillah, by the name of Allah, alladhi la yadurru ma'ismihi shay, with whose name no harm ever comes. So when he says, Allah, Allah, ala nafsi, Allah, Allah, on myself, Allah, Allah, on my, he's saying it, doesn't, he's not saying, I hope I, I would, that, that no harm comes to you by the blessing of Allah's name being mentioned next to your name. Because the dua clearly says, Bismillah, in the name of Allah, with whom, next to whom, by next to the name of Allah, no harm ever happens. So that's where these awliya were thinking and they were inspired to. And they wrote beautiful adhkar and adaya. And every era... All right, go, let's, let's go to the books of the past and the sahaba and see how much they talk about, what do they talk about, how to use... The, how to handle the fitan of our time. That's where the guidance, the best of guidance is the further back you go. 
but the most immediate benefit for you, okay, is what's present now. So the guidance in the past, but the immediate benefit, the most impactful, I should say, isn't the present. Because the present will tell us, hey, listen, this is how you should use social media. This is how you shouldn't use it. This is how you should use a cell phone. This is how you shouldn't use it. This is what's going to harm you. This is what's not going to harm you because he's living with you today. The impact is the people living today. The guidance is the people of the past. The people who are impacting you today, their guidance should be taken from the past. But how that settles in our world today is from them living scholars of today. So that's the, the, the balance between the salaf and the khalaf, the past and the present. Couple more questions. What about being proud of writing your own book? Nothing wrong with be, writing your own book, being happy, just realize the truth. Inspiration is from Allah. Thank Allah. Thank all the people who taught you and be proud of your work. Being proud of your work is, diff, is not the arrogant pride. Right? That's, it's a good thing to be proud of your work. I mean, you put effort into it and you're happy with, uh, with everything. That's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't think you're better than anyone else. As long as you don't attribute the work to yourself. Yes, you worked at it, but with what? Your brain, your mind, who gave you that? So thank Allah first. Thank all the people who helped you. And don't look down on people. That's how simple it is. Signs of an accepted du'a is the du'a that you will not stop making. You refuse to stop. If that's really almost all you need. How about this? The consistency in getting up for tahajjud the consistency in remembering the times of dua, the time of dua, that's, that's from Allah. You don't get up for tahajjud. You don't sit before Maghrib, especially on Friday. You don't sit between Dhuhr and Asr on Wednesday, except that Allah guided you to that. And you're repeating that dua there. That's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the fact that you're making the du'a, you're persisting on it, and you're getting better at it, and you're getting better at it, all the asbab al-ijaba, that is all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if Allah did not want this for you, He would have turned you away from all these things. If you want to see what is headed your way, see what you yourself are choosing to do, what you are falling in love with. I'm falling in love with food, weight is headed your way. I'm falling in love with exercise. Fitness is heading your way. I'm falling in love with trade. Money is heading your way. What you yourself are desiring is a sign of your future. And the beauty of it is you can control what you desire. Right? Don't ever imagine that I love something uncontrollably. You can make yourself not love something. How? Distance. Love something else. Here is a reason Minnie Star is saying, and Minnie Star and her mother attended some of the talks in England. I guess that would be Major Star, her mom. But why are there Anans, Moin, and Saad, and all these guys? They, they tell me this too. They cannot afford to say their opinion on Twitter. They'll be sacked. Unfortunately, I just said his name. But... <laughs> They can't, I didn't say his last name, alhamdulillah, okay? Uh, they can't say, speak their mind. They will be fired from their jobs so quick. 
So that's the there is a value in that respect of Anans. Because they want to contribute, but they have to contribute with a different name. Can I create an AI-generated character posing as a 15-year-old financial expert and write an AI finance blog on their behalf, making readers into believing they are real? No. I'll tell you why. You can't do that insofar as people could take your advice and hurt themselves. Financial advice, religious advice, health advice. I mean, health advice, not all of it. Like, uh, as long as it's stuff that is, um, you know, won't hurt somebody. Okay. So, um, you have to keep in mind, any advice that you give where somebody could hurt themselves. I remember a guy told me one time, sell gold and buy Bitcoin. I did it. I lost money, right? I lost money both ways. I lost on the gold and I never made up on it on the Bitcoin. Not only did I not make it up, I lost more on the Bitcoin. It went down. So, that's why... You can't give financial advice without, you know, certain parameters in the United States. You know that? You can't just go around giving financial advice. Okay. You can go around talking up a company. But to actually give an individual financial advice, right, there are parameters to that. Yeah. What is the shara'i difference between writing fiction and telling a lie? What's the shara'i difference between fiction and lies? Fiction. fiction itself is a lie. Okay. However, the question is becomes an intent because not all lies, kathib, the word kathib in Arabic, is just anything that is not factual. All fiction is a lie, right? It's kathib, I should say. Let's just use the Arabic term kathib. However, kathib, it doesn't mean it's always sinful. So a fictional account being written with no malintent, nobody's going to be harmed by it, and you're not twisting f actual facts such that people would be confused about the reality of things, is, is I, don't, I don't see that there's a prohibition. I've never heard of a scholar prohibiting that. So to, to make up a story about two animals and how they lived for a kid to learn something, I never heard of anybody forbidding that. Okay, because what would be the difference between that and, and toy animals? That's halal. Toy animals are halal. What about for adults? I also don't see that it's forbid. I've never seen any of the scholars. I'm not going to permit or forbid, but I've never seen any of the scholars forbid a fictional account that does not mix. You're not like bending the truth it's in the sense that somebody's going to actually be miseducated um, about life. They know it's fiction. They know the whole thing is fiction. And you're trying to make a point by that and there's nothing forbidden like there's no lewdness uh, mentioned then you're in the clear from from what I've known from the shiuch and we can ask but that's uh, I've never seen a sheikh ever say writing fiction is haram they say what's in it and what is the purpose of it are you trying to mislead no you're writing a fictional story to pass on a, a lesson even just to entertain right then there shouldn't be something for... I've never seen any, anyone forbid that. Isn't that really what Qiyas really uh, is just is? Like analogy is... Like for example, you, you open up about Bidayah right there. Which every one? Every Abu'ab, like Bidayah for Surah Deen, for yeah. example. Every Abu'ab, there's a, an analogy being given about why this is the case, why this is the case. And he'll use a story that's... Thank you. True. Isn't Amthal? Amthal. Amthal, yeah. Like it's fiction. Example. Yeah. Amthal or fiction, right? An st uh, ancient story of an old king who did this and that. And it's just transmitting the message. 
or, or the, the point, I should say. What are the tips on getting up for Tehejud when the nights are so short? Drink a little bit so that you will be forced to get up. Your bladder will wake you up. Right, your bladder will put your alarm, sleep early, use all the asbab, make a stighfar throughout the day, and inshallah, you will get, may Allah will accept your intention. Some Sheikh Muhammad al-Aqubi says, recite the last four surahs, ayat of Surah Al-Kaf. Not only will you get up for tahajjud, you will get up for sa'at al-ijabah too. The time in the last third in which dua is answered. How does one get back on track after having a lapse in iman? Go back and hang out with your good Muslim friends. Go to the masjid, hang out with them. Hang out in the masjid, pray in the masjid. The masjid is the hospital of the hearts. The good friends are the nurses. The shiuch are the doctors. Okay, chocolate walla. Big debate tonight. <laughs> DH and Javid. To do what? To I say what? To say what? Anyway, I was still rooting for DH on this one. Because Javad, uh, uh, he's, he's too far off. Javad, he's too far off. People keep asking about the, in the chat about the Suhaib Web and DH. Suhaib Web and DH? Let me say this. First of all, I'm acquainted with both of them. Okay, I'm acquainted with both of them. So let me put it this way. Firstly, why does my opinion matter in the first place on this? I'm like, we don't do like um, current events, I guess. But let me put it this way. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Don't soften to people who are like oppressors slash astray because astray, you know, profligate in the religion, astray, is not oppressing another person, but they're oppressing the rights of Allah, and they're oppressing themselves. Why did Allah say, "Don't be lean, don't lean towards them, don't be lenient with them, don't be so cozy with them"? Why? Because the, a, a flare may get you. Don't so, come so close to a fire because fire spits stuff out sometimes, unpredictably, and that's what happens. That's second thing I say, all right, people make mistakes. They may have had a good intention. I don't want to take their mistake, blow it open, right? Especially if they don't do it again. Those are the two things I come to mind, really, is that uh, whenever you see one of these takedowns happen, right, you see that I find a good person but got a little bit cozy, a little close to somebody who's not good. By the standard of Islam. It gave an opportunity for somebody to go and smear you with it. And that is exactly the meaning of that verse. Don't soften. Don't get so cozy. Don't get so comfy, so friendly with someone who is a profligate, is fasid, is Okay, he's a good person, but he's doing something haram. Right? Openly and publicly. Because you may put yourself in a situation that you could be smeared. But there's enough evidence for the smearing to happen. Or not evidence, but we could say content for the smearing to happen. You're not always going to be judged by good-willed actor. I'm not saying that the opposite side, Daniel, is ill-willed. Many people are saying that. But 
let's just take it at face value. He says he wants to purify everyone from this liberalism. Fine, let's take you at face value, right? But stay away from al-fisq. And it goes for all of us, especially if you're an imam, because then it gives an opportunity for somebody to smear you with something, right? If it's something, you know, like... Uh, if it's someone who is a fasiq, a fasiq does not mean wakes up in the morning and say, I'm going to disobey Allah. No, he's in a lifestyle. He's being tested with that. It's a test for him, right? The way that the imams and the fusaq interacted was the fusaq came to the masjid. They came to the public place where you can't stop them and they came and they sought nasiha. They sat with the shit. No one would ever blame you for that. No one would ever blame any imam if... Any person who's living some alternative way of an Islamic way of living came to the mosque and attended his class. No one would say anything. Right? Because you did not incline towards them. They came to you. So that's uh, something that we got to keep in mind. On the other hand, I never like to see someone get dragged into the dirt. I wouldn't want it to happen for myself. I wouldn't happen to want it to happen for my friends or my own shiuch, of course, or my own kids or my own family. Right? So to see somebody be dragged in the dirt, look, if it was my son, you know, I said, just, just say you screwed up. What, what's wrong with screwing up? I, I screwed up. What's wrong? It's not like what's wrong with it, but human beings, made, they mess up, right? You make it harder if someone comes at you in a nasty way. It becomes like you want to defend yourself now. You have to defend yourself now. Mechanism. It's a mechanism, right? So if I come at my son... And I say, did you pray fetch? Immediately, he has to defend himself, right? But if I say something like, you know, nonchalantly, in the middle of other nice things that you're saying, say, and by the way, I shouldn't, I'm just using that as an example, not that he skips fetch. That, just saying as an example. Say, um, we all got to make sure to make fetch. All of us. He's going to say, yeah, me too. Sometimes I miss it, right? We all miss it. Everyone does the same thing. It feels like humble. It's easy now to say it, right? So you look at the two different ways of going about it. Um, but that's uh, just my own commentary, just for the sake of the listeners to have an idea. Because I did see the question come up a couple of times, but hopefully we can all benefit from what I just said, not just some social commentary, TMZ uh, stuff, but we can all benefit from these concepts that a wala tarkanu ila alladhina zalamu fatamassakum an-nar okay you get close to something that's not good flares will come at you number 2 you should never enjoy someone getting dragged into the mud and dragged in the dirt and number 3 if you screw up you screw up right so i made a mistake Thought it was a good decision, maybe it's not. But but it's got to be in a way that you got to give the person the opportunity to do that. If you come at them, and here's the thing, and let's be honest, the other, the fellow imams rarely call each other, rarely, and correct each other. I have alhamdulillah some people who who do, right? Especially in a matter of fiqh, but. In other things, I think that it's, it is rare. So, in a sense, if we don't do that stuff, okay, then someone else will do it. 
and it's not going to be pretty. And that's what's happening, right? Most imams are very friendly. They don't want to like mess, you know, and like say anything awkward. Especially, we don't all know each other, right? I'm going to call a guy that I know. Like, I'll, let me give you an example. And I don't think he's going to mind me saying his name. Salman Yunus, right? He is very sharp in fiqh, right? He contacted me one time and he said, listen, you can't say blanket statements about alcohol. He reminded me of something that I knew, but I forgot. That's, that's what happens. You know something, but you forget. Alcohol in the Hanafi school divides. That which is considered nejis in itself and that which is forbidden to get drunk off of. Okay? One has ijma upon it. It's consumption. The other does not. There is the prohibition, prohibition of getting intoxicated from it. Okay? And the fatwa is by fatwa, for sadhidhariya purposes, to avoid drinking it altogether because it's a slippery slope. Fatwa, not ruling. So I one tweet mentioned alcohol altogether as one, right? Who says it's halal, it's kufr. And he reminded me of the mistake, right? There's nothing to do. Say, okay, well, I, I forgot about it. I slipped up. Don't try to defend yourself. Just be, it's faster that way. It's faster. You get over with quick. Oh, yeah, I screwed up. I forgot. A lot of people are entering Islam, okay? I think that we have to... No, Adam, but a lot of people are entering Islam. Are they going to enter into a mess? So we, we need to get ourselves together quick. Okay? We need to get ourselves together quick. Are they going to enter into a war zone? Uh, I pray to Allah for these people. Enter Islam, the abode of peace, and there's bullets flying back and forth. Who do I side with? Who do I go to? Khair. I ask Allah Ta'ala to um, put us all on the straight path. I don't, I don't want to take the position that um, I want to get involved in what people are intending at all. You never want to get there because you're never going to be right. Even if you're, when you're right, you can't justify it. But let's take people at their face value and ask Allah to rectify us in the way we, um, you know, go about our dawah and interact with each other. Uh, Anza is saying, I see people disrespecting people of knowledge so easily nowadays. That's This is not a good precedent. My wife was talking to me about this the other day. So like this, she doesn't look at any of this stuff. She doesn't look at any of it. She won't even look at it. She doesn't even listen, like to listen to it because people of knowledge have to be here. If you get dragged down and you react badly, you're basically putting on display that the knowledge didn't work. And people have doubts about the knowledge. They have doubts. It didn't work. If you spend all day in the kitchen and then I come to the kitchen table to see what you cooked, what you baked, and you bring me a, a, a cement cake, a, 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 a brownie that looks like cement, tastes like cement, then whatever education you were getting in the kitchen, whatever books you were reading and YouTube videos you were watching, failed. They're bad. They're useless. Because you put it on display. Likewise, imams, if they behave in a way that would cause people, and if somebody else would come in, like the critics, when they come in and the hurma of knowledge is gone, we're doing everyone a disservice. The hurma of knowledge has to be there. Right? 
the hurma, the sanctity. What do you think is the main contribution to that? That whole, uh, this whole thing of disrespecting people's mouths? Uh, personal feuds, I think. You know, personal feuds. The people like, um, when they, when they're having, a, when the jidal gets so heated, right? And you're not starting to tear the person down, right? So then when you do that, the people who look up to you will do that too. So it's a culture now of just tear, tear down any item, tear down anybody who's... I, so I saw that last week with Sheikh Saeed Zamzan Bulti, right? And uh, he has some statements that really hurt the people and positions that people perceived it to be. And of course, I know that many people are going to be upset with that, even the word perceived, but I'm just going to say it that way because that's objective fact. I can't say he intended to hurt any Muslim, but you were injured by that statement. It felt like he's supporting the... Uh, Nusayr is not even Muslim in their aqidah against the Muslims. And I can understand that. It's understandable, obviously. Not that my opinion on that matters, but um, I understand where the perspective is. But am I now going to... All his past work, we're going to discard it all. We're not going to have any room for the idea that he had a, a good intention for this and was maybe perceived incorrectly. We're going to just take a clip and not look at what the whole clip was about, just that one selection, okay. and try to have a bad... In I don't think that's the right way to do things, just factually. You give someone the uh, benefit of the doubt. You don't like what they say. So I disagree with it, with what they're saying, right? Rather than now smearing them with curses, saying, I hope he's in the hellfire with, uh, with his Nusidi allies, like words like that. That's the problem. I'm telling you, that's the problem. He said he asked the question, "How should imams be held accountable?" I'm telling you, that is the issue because I'm telling you that most imams they don't know each other. They want to be polite with each other. They want to give the benefit of the doubt. They don't want to cause fitna. So now, what has emerged is a class of people who are saying, "Okay, hey, listen, I'm not guiding anybody. I'm not producing content for your religious guidance. So I don't have to be nice. I'm not trying to attract anybody." I'm just going to purify this stuff. And that's what's happening politically in the Arab world. All those scholars who supported, who, were, who did not support the revolution, or who, not, not that they didn't support the revolution, but they did support the regimes. You should see what's being said about them. The worst possible things, right? Because generally speaking, it's not going to be, the imams will be very polite, I'm telling you. I'll call them up. Hey, I just want to ask you about your position here. And, you know, some people are asking me. I want to hear from you. It's going to be a very polite conversation. It's not probably, maybe not going to be very effective. That's the truth. It's going to be very polite. Okay, I, Michelle, you have your ideas. You have your proofs. You know, I personally may differ with that. But uh, you do a lot of other good work. That's how the call is going to go in most cases. It'll be very polite, adab. Benefit of the doubt. Listen to what the other person says. If it's and also scholars, yeah, I could fathom that that's a position. There's nothing explicitly forbidden here. I can fathom that this is a, is a is a position that's valid, and I can't 
tell you that it's explicitly haram what you're doing. So when that ends up happening, another class rises. I say, okay, we're not content providers. We're not trying to guide the people. We don't teach deen. So we don't have to be good examples. We'll be effective though. And we'll make this person change. Do we want that to happen? Well, that's what happened, whether we like it or not. Our people, is it working? Is one thing. Is it the right way to do things is another question. When I studied with Sheikh Mahmoud Shabibi, he emphasized this a lot. He emphasized what works is not always what is right. In, in a sense, what is not always a justification for being right. It may be effective. That doesn't make it the correct course of action. But some people will say, well, it's dire need. We're doing it. Uh, my, my, my ways may be wrong, but it's, well, no one else is doing anything about it. Right? I'm just describing the reality of things. Rayyan Khan. And many stars asking question. It's sad here is always under the impression that sheikhs kept in contact now and again to keep each other in check when needed. I'll tell you that that works in certain groups, in small groups of friends, right? My friends can contact me and do contact me, all the, my friends, right? In Imam, I may, may be insulated with a friend group that, that doesn't do that, right? But I can tell you, for example, I have friends who will contact me if they hear something that was incorrect, a transmission of, a, of knowledge that was incorrect. They'll just say it, and it will be fixed. Not everyone has that. Has that. But for an st absolute stranger, imam from, that I've never met before, to contact me and say that I, I want to recommend that you did this, that, or recommend you relook at this, that never happened. I've never did it to anyone, nor did anyone do it to me. If I see someone doing something wrong online, my method of dealing with it is not to confront them, but is to speak in general terms about what is correct. In that sense, in the sight of Allah, I've done my, the, at least the baseline duty. It's not an obligation for me necessarily to call him on the phone and correct him and make sure that he stops. No. In public, as he's in public, I'm also in public, and I'm saying the opposite thing that I believe is correct. I've done my that is falls under the rubric of Amr Maruf right but for me to go to that person and make sure he stops and feels the pain because pain is what makes people stop that's not my duty nor maybe is it correct for me to do but because that's the case other people are looking on and they're saying okay you're not doing it I'll do it and I'm not an imam of a mosque. I don't have people who look up to me. So I don't have to be nice. So that's the reality of what happened. Okay. And when they're doing that, you know, the honesty in looking at the whole picture, was it there? That's oftentimes a critique of the critics. Well, you, did you look at the whole person? Right. 95% of what he's doing is good. He made 5% of a mistake. No, no. There, see, we, we lost it. Not enough people command the right and forbid wrong. Then there's going to come a people that are going to come who are not going to do it. They're not following your rule book anymore. Your rule book of being nice and your rule book of benefit of the doubt, your rule book, uh, all that's out the window now. 
I'm not saying that this is the correct way of God. I'm describing the reality of things. That's what happened, right? Oh, your way of adab, your way of all this. Guess what? It wasn't effective. Push that to the side. I'm going to do it my way. Bleach. Acid. Okay. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to just try to get the wound. The whole person's getting acid, right? Should we avoid debate with non-Muslims? I personally do not like debating. My debate with Javad was just meant to be a talk. That's how it was presented to me first. It developed into a debate, and I didn't object. So I did accept that one, but I think that's an exception. I don't see myself doing a lot of this. Argumentation is not really a good uh, way of doing things. Um, it's not good for the heart. A lot of times it also doesn't get to the point. It doesn't get to the how point either. No, one's, no one's having a debate that's actual chess match. They, they're slugfests, right? But the debate is good for somebody who believes what you believe, but doesn't know why, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't, know, doesn't know how to articulate the defense of it. That's the value of debate. So I can't say it's all bad, but I necessarily don't imagine myself getting into this. Salman S., I think there's a lack of accountability in general. All right. Um, yeah, if people... Don't want to be in awkward situations, right? So, as I said before, my method of forbidding wrong is that if a colleague says something that's not right, I'm going to go onto the public platform and say what is correct, right? But it's not in what it's not in my other neither my obligated nor is it my nature to go up to him and correct him. If someone else wants to do that and they don't feel that, that's that's up for them. But people do see what I say in public. That should be enough, right? You saw what I'm saying. And and it's worked, by the way. Within our local area, nobody tries to bring nonsense into the masjid. People know what we stand for, right? They don't bring that stuff in the masjid. They know what I've said publicly. Then when I see them in social gatherings or in other, you know, community events, I just, you know, have cordial relations with them. But they know what I believe. So they do know that we should stop at, when it comes to this group, this community, I should say, we're not a group, we're a big community, right? They don't believe in this stuff. They don't believe in this because their guy, their imam, he doesn't believe in this stuff and they are with him, right? So they know that. So it did work in a sense, but it didn't stop them. It didn't, I didn't, it didn't inflict pain enough to stop them, right? So they just will, they just won't do it with us. Trade. Next question. Are we, is it, what time is it? 3.27. All right, folks, we got to stop here. We got to stop here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. And we will pick up tomorrow. We will have Wednesday, day of dua between Dhuhr and Asr. And we will have, um, uh, current affairs which we already just touched on some current affairs of muslims and i definitely think that it was worthy if it's on everyone's tongue we can't pretend like no one's talking about it and so we do need to give a little perspective which i gave i gave a summary perspective of uh why, why i think this stuff is happening uh with the attacks on imams what the imams could have done we all should be doing 
Don't soften up to those who are living outside the bounds of Islam publicly or else some of that will come back to you. Okay, Justified or unjustified. And we talked about different methods of forbidding wrong and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, to guide us all because there are a lot of people going to come into Islam and it needs to be, the house needs to be set in order to receive many, many converts in the future. I think that's where we're going in the future. So many people are entering Islam. Just saw a, a photograph of a whole family of seven in Germany entered Islam. So keep that in, in, in mind. And um, inshallah ta'ala, Allah, may Allah use us uh, to be supporters of these guests and now new members of our ummah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk wal asr inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladhina amanu wa aminu al-sanihat wa tawasu bil-haq wa tawasu bil-sabr wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah Oh